Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Welcome back to Unlocking the Truth podcast, week nine in the book of James. We are into chapter five, the final chapter of this letter. With me again, Derek K. Mink. Good to see you, Derek. Nice to be here. We're there's a light at the end of the James Tunnel. We are coming to the end. This book has been absolutely convicting. Mm-hmm. There are probably four words in this book that aren't convicting. <laughs> the word the, to, mm-hmm. James. <laughs> no, the, I mean, it is, it is a challenging book uh, where... You're constantly asking the Lord to search your heart for how you line up to his word. Mm-hmm. And I, being scared of the answer. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely wonderful that uh, we have this opportunity to study God's word in this way. Last week, James chapter 4, uh, we really uh, brought home the whole idea of the condition of the heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, verse 13 of chapter 4 says, Come now, who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. This couple of verses sets us up for where we are headed today in looking to the future. Mm -hmm. And so let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this time in the book of James. Father, we, although we joke about the conviction that comes from studying this book, Lord, we're so thankful for that conviction that this is a book that allows us to evaluate where we are in position to you as we want to grow to be more like you each and every day. So, Father, we pray that even as we look at these verses today, that you would again do your work by the power of the Holy Spirit, that your Spirit who dwells within us would tap us on the shoulder, would nudge us, would hit us, whatever your Spirit needs to do to teach us about chapter 5, that he would do so. So we give this to you now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 1, Derek. What do we got? It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of the slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Well, uh, maybe we should just close in prayer. Yeah, how do you really feel, James? <laughs> Well, it's obviously here now that James, he tells us exactly who he's addressing. Mm -hmm. 
and he is addressing those who are rich. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting part about this passage is that this is absolutely, unequivocally a warning to the rich that your life is just a vapor. Mm -hmm. That the very fact is that the Lord is going to return. And the focus of these individuals, Derek, is what we need to cover. Mm -hmm. Look in what their main mindset is. That they are focused on themselves, that they have their riches, their gold, and their silver, and they're not paying their laborers. And James says that they've lived luxuriously on earth, led a life of wanton pleasures. I mean, this doesn't sound like people who are true faith Christians. Mm -hmm. This sounds like people who are of the world. Yeah where their sole desire is to completely line their pockets with as much money as possible for the protection of their future. Right. You know, this building up of personal wealth, personal gain, Mm -hmm. to the point where they're abusing their workers, where they're not paying them the wage that they're worth. I mean, the Bible has made it clear that you should never muzzle the ox. You should pay a man his wage. And here, in this case, these people are so greedy, they're keeping it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's evident that that is what their life is about, is about amassing for themselves this gold and this money to the point that they are oppressing others in order to save themselves a little bit. They're oppressing and they're defrauding their laborers. Let me lay out this theory for you, Derek, and put you on the spot. Agree or disagree? I think that James is addressing the rich in light of the 12 tribes, the diaspora. And so what I think he's saying here is that judgment will come to the rich for that the way they are treating these workers these laborers, Mm. these people. But I'm thinking, and we can discuss this for a moment, I'm thinking these laborers, these workers, these individuals are the diaspora. They are the people that James has been writing to. And, And the reason I point to that is because he says that the righteous man is condemned and put to death, but Mm -hmm. also then the next page, he's warning about the coming of the Lord. Now, I could be wrong, but what do you think? It sounds certainly plausible. He does address directly the rich. So I think he could be talking to the people that are dispersed. Maybe some of them have some wealth. And maybe some of them are more concerned with that wealth. But I think if we continue to look through the the rest of the text that we're looking at this week, I think we definitely have reason to believe that he is talking to those who are oppressed. Now, the other part of this could be just laying out thoughts, because this is what the benefit of unlocking truth and discussing together is maybe he's addressing these rich people because they're proclaiming to be believers Mm -hmm. in the church, right? but their main God is not the God of heaven that they worship. Their main God is money. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what makes me wonder is these people, maybe they're just hearers of the word and not doers of the word. Right. They're showing up on Sunday, but that's about it. Yeah. I'd be more inclined to point to the second model of what we just talked about in the fact that their God is Mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. They profess Christianity, but their sole desire, their sole want, their sole piece of worship is money. Yeah. To the point where he describes how luxuriously they live on earth. They have a life of wanton pleasure and you fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? Fattened your hearts well, in it's, a day it's, of slaughter? They've just filled themselves to the point that now if you're looking at it physically, when you're fattening up an animal for slaughter... You're doing it so that you can get the most out of it, that you're making the meat so that they're going to get fatter and so that you can sell them for more because it's sold by weight. In the light of scriptures, we have a fattened calf who is cared for and then is sacrificed. But what James is saying is that they haven't fattened just their bodies in their want and pleasure, but they have fattened their hearts. His concern is less about Uh, what they have physically and more about what their desire for earthly wealth has done to the status of their hearts. This seems to be an ongoing message from the book of James about a real faith is a heart after God. Mm -hmm. It's a real faith is not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Did you notice the time reference in the first six verses? Yeah. In these last days, it says in verse three. All right. Well, we should look at in these last days. Mm -hmm. God has a plan that started way back in the book of Genesis. Remember that in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Revelation talks about, behold, I am coming soon. But every part in between Genesis and Revelation points to Jesus Christ. It points to a time when Christ will redeem the land, where he will reign Mm-hmm. on his throne forever, the ushering in of the new Jerusalem, the new millennium, the new temple, a time when there is no sin, a new heavens and a new earth as Revelation describes. And he points out these last days. Well, we're in the last days right now. Hebrews chapter 1, what does Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 say? It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. This is, I I really like this verse because it shows me how um, the the way it used to be, that God would speak through the prophets, but now he speaks to us through the life and the words and the death of his son, Jesus Christ. He sent us something so much better than just the prophets. He sent us the one who the prophets were pointing to. Right. So all the way, you know, as you study through the book of the Bible, remember that every part of the Bible always points to Jesus, Mm -hmm. points to the Messiah. So uh, Jesus Christ, let's get an understanding of the last days for a moment. Jesus Christ, when he came the first time, came as a baby, Mm -hmm. born of a virgin, and lived on this earth for 33 years. Then he was crucified on the cross. And when he was crucified on the cross, he was taken down off that cross. He was buried on the third day. He 
rose from the dead and he appeared to many. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have looked at this in the podcast mm-hmm. already. After he appeared to many, the book of Acts teaches us in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus promised that a helper would come and then Jesus ascended into heaven. We see that in the end of the book of Luke. We also see that in Acts, he ascends into heaven and the disciples, they wait for the Holy Spirit to Mm -hmm. come. When Jesus left this earth after his resurrection, the last days began. Mm. And so we're currently in the last days. The last days are pointing to a time in which Jesus Christ is going to return. This is what is most exciting for Christians. Mm -hmm. This is why we are so fired up to wake up in the morning because our eternal hope, our eternal focus, all comes together with that second coming of Jesus Christ. And in James chapter 5, verse 7, he warns these rich and I think he's also warning those who are oppressed. Mm -hmm. He's warning those who are oppressed. He's saying, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The Father waits for the precious produce of the soil. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. So in these last days, we're supposed to be looking and focusing on the return of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting time, but we also know that it's a time. It's going to be a time of great struggle. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult time. If we look back and see those who are oppressed, what we have here is at least a little bit of hope in verse 4 that says that the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord. And then those who are crying out are told to be patient until the coming of the Lord. It's a great picture of the farmer waiting for the precious produce of the soil. He puts in the work, but then he waits. He doesn't complain that it's not coming fast enough. He knows that it is coming. He knows that the the timing is whatever the timing is and waits patiently for the reward that comes. You know, in the book of 2 Peter, one of the questions that was coming up in that time was if you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, Verse 3, it says, Know this first of all, that in the what, Derek? What's it say there? The last days. Well, in the last days, the same last days, that mockers will come with their mocking and following after their own lusts. Wait a second. What was happening in James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6? Yes, we have the same thing, is that people are proclaiming to be believers and yet are not, and are actually a mockery to the name of Christ, and they are following after their own lust. Those first five verses are simply all about one thing and one thing only, is people focusing on their own earthly wealth rather than on the Lord. Well, he says in verse four then, you see these mockers who are lusting after their own things and doing all of these earthly things Mm -hmm. and building up their own riches. In this, they're also mocking the believer. They're telling the believer and they're asking the question, where is the coming of his promise? Mm -hmm. Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the very beginning. For when they maintained this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water though which through which the world at that time was destroyed 
being flooded with water. You see, the comparison here is in the book of James, these people are living after their own things. Remember mm-hmm. chapter 4, let's plan, let's go about our right. business, let's work towards the future because they're not ready or prepared or focused that the coming of the day is near. Mm-hmm. And so here, now they're saying, where is it? You've been talking about this coming of the Lord for a long time, but there's no signs. Mm-hmm. Compare it with the world we live in today. Yeah. We're over 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth, mm-hmm. and yet still no return. No return. I always joke about this in my sermons. In Revelation, Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon. Mm-hmm. Well, when is soon? Yeah. You know, we don't have an understanding of when soon is. Right. We're not given a date. The hour is unknown. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, look what he says regarding coming soon. By his word, verse 7 of Second Peter, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, mm-hmm. kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Wait a second. What's he telling us here, Derek? What do you just see in the scripture about God? Well, we hear this amazing thing that that by his word, present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. That there is destruction is coming, and it's coming for ungodly men. And it's, people go to this and they say, well, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And we, we take that and we, we apply it to different times and we try and do some math and figure things out. I, I think what Peter's saying is we simply don't know. We don't know when the day of the Lord is coming. And so it's important for us to be prepared for it at all times. Yeah, this is a point to the very fact that God's time is not our time. Mm-hmm. God has this entire plan in place. He's had it in place since the very beginning, since the foundation of the world, before the heavens and the earth were created. Mm -hmm. He's pointed to a time when this is going to happen. And look at the verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. If you look back in James chapter 5, he's saying, Be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the Lord is near. He also says in verse 9, Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. The reality is that the coming of the Lord is going to come quickly. And we need to be ready for it. And so it's not like God is rescinding his promise that he's going to come. Mm -hmm. This day of judgment is going to come. It's not going to come in a time that we think it's going to come. Mm -hmm. It's only going to come in the time when the Father says, now is the time, and he sends Jesus back to earth. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the story of Abraham. He receives this promise, but it doesn't come to fulfillment until... Years and years and years later, but at no point did Abraham ever lose faith in the one who made that promise. This verse 9, I think, is one of the most beautiful verses in Scripture that tells us about who God is and his love for us. Because I think sometimes we go, come back, come back, come now, please, 
so we can have what it is that we're promised. But God says that he is patient towards us, not wishing for any to perish, but all come to repentance. He's giving us time. He's giving people who still do not yet know Jesus Christ, he's giving them time to come to that faith in his son, uh, his, his hope and his desire. The reason he hasn't come yet is because he still wants more to come to faith. Yeah, he goes on in 2 Peter, and you, you must be thinking as you're listening, why are you spending so much time in 2 <laughs> Peter? I thought we were covering the book of James. Yeah. But you see, Peter is so clear on the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if James is telling people to be patient and wait for the coming of the Lord, we have to have an understanding of what's going to come up in this day of the Lord. Right. Verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 3, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Mm. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, let's contrast. What were the people doing in James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6? They certainly were not living in holy conduct and godliness. They were living corrupted lives and were not marked by living godly, but were characterized as living only for themselves. Yeah, and for their, this might not make sense as I say it, I'm just thinking it in my head, but may, but they were only thinking about their present future. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by present future is they were only looking for their needs for tomorrow. Right. Then they were looking for their spiritual needs of the future. Mm-hmm. They were so focused on building things up for their earthly kingdom. Right. They were building their little kingdoms. Yeah. And they were missing the fact that the coming of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which he will set up his kingdom. And your little kingdoms, Mm -hmm. listen to this, folks, your little kingdoms that you are building up will be burned up with intense heat and there will be nothing left. Mm -hmm. Everything that you've amassed on this earth in the day of the Lord will be gone. How many times have people gone to the grave with millions of dollars Mm -hmm. in their bank account because they chose not to use it and then families fight over the inheritance? Yeah, yeah, it's it's all about putting your your focus in the right place it's all about your perspective it's all if you only have an earthly understanding then you're only going to be concerned with what happens here on earth but when you have an eternal and a heavenly understanding the things of this earth though they're nice we know pale in comparison to what god has in store for us and we know that if all we're concerned with is making our life here on earth good in earthly means that means that we're actually turning away from the rewards and the riches that God has in store for us in heaven. Verse 5 says that you live luxuriously on the earth, and that is the only place. If you're living luxuriously here, that's the only place you're going to be living luxuriously. Yeah, and then that's it. It's harder for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have your priorities straight. You have to understand that the coming of the Lord will come quickly. And I am going to say that James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6 in pointing out the way that these rich people live 
is a complete and an exact opposite to what James pointed us to earlier in that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. This is completely focused on you as an individual to the point where you hold back wages from your workers so that you can have more. Mm -hmm. It's like telling your lawn, the little teenager, you tell the teenager that you're going to pay them $20 to cut the lawn and then they cut it. And then you're like, well, you didn't weed eat it, so mm-hmm. I'll give you 15. Right. Or it's like you did everything, and I'm only going to give you 10. Mm-hmm. You have to pay the workmen what their wages are and don't take advantage. Well, you know, that's enough negativity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we need to understand how to live this out. Absolutely. How do we live in light of the coming of the Lord? Well, James says in verse uh, in verse seven and eight to be patient. He says to strengthen your heart instead of fattening your heart. He says in verse nine, do not complain against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. So I believe what he's saying is he's talking to those who are oppressed and he's saying in your oppression, be patient because the Lord is coming. Do not complain even in your oppression. And I think the only way that we can do that is if we understand who is that judge. It says that we we don't complain so that we're not putting ourselves as judge, but behold, the judge is standing right at the door. That we need to remember who God is. He gives us the example in verse 10 of suffering and patience. He said, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He says in verse 11 to look at Job, at the endurance of Job. And if you read through Job, you see the absolute destruction that happened to his life. He was one who had it all. He had the wealth. He had the family. He had everything he could have possibly wanted. And when it was taken from him, Job's response was not to curse God. Job's response was, everything that I had was a blessing from God, and I'm going to continue to believe and have faith in God. He had every right In the midst of oppression... Mm -hmm. Job worshipped. That's right. And he's a phenomenal example of that. Mm-hmm. And so we, in the midst of oppression, maybe maybe we have jobs where we're oppressed by your boss. Let me tell you about it. Oh, you've only been here a short <laughs> amount of time. It's only begun. No, but you have some difficulties. Mm-hmm. And you need to live in the light of the Lord's coming. Be patient. And what did... The book of Exodus tell us. It says in 34, uh, verse 6, And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. These are the things that we have to remember about God. These things that are not true about the world in which we live. They may not be true about your current situation or your current standing or or about the people who uh, who are treating you poorly but they are always going to be true about God and when we can hold fast to the characters of God of his characteristics and and who he is then we can still in the in the midst of oppression we can still worship him God is merciful God is compassionate the passage in Exodus we just looked at God is long suffering mm-hmm. in first Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 3, when he talks about the Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but he's patient. Mm-hmm. 
not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is long-suffering. What did Numbers say? Numbers says in chapter 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations. God is, again, slow to anger, abundant, which means he has more than he could possibly need in loving kindness, and he, he, he pours that on us. But we also have this promise that he forgives our sins and our transgressions, but he is still a God of justice. He does not clear those who are guilty, but he visits that iniquity again on the fathers and on the children. So there is justice in God. We have to know that God is just, and he is more just than we are. He is more just than our world is. And so when James says, don't complain, he says, just wait, be patient and wait for the Lord's justice because earthly justice is only going to get you earthly things, but the Lord's justice is going to get you eternal riches. God is going to take care Mm -hmm. of the rich oppressors. Yeah. It's not your job to take care of them. Give it to God. Mm -hmm. God is merciful. And in Luke, we see a verse about how merciful God is. Luke 6, 36 says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And over and over again, God shows his true character. We see it over and over again in the Old Testament, and we see it perfectly manifested in his son, Jesus Christ, that he bestows upon us, that he gives us that incredible mercy that we certainly do not deserve. And so when we are wronged, when we feel as though we are being oppressed here on earth, what we can know is that God will show us mercy, that he is compassionate to his children. And we don't need to worry about getting even. We don't need to worry about making things right here on earth because God is going to make things right for us. And I wanted to kind of end our week this week in Second Peter. And although James says be patient, it's sort of an odd statement to make I think it is be patient because God's going to take care of all those people. Mm -hmm. Be patient for the Lord's return is near. Mm -hmm. But I think that the other principle we need to lay out to people who are listening is a part of patience is having a great hope and eagerness for that day. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 11 Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, you need to live a godly life. You need to live a life that glorifies God. You need to be a hearer Mm -hmm. and a doer of the word. Mm -hmm. And then you need to, in verse 12, you need to look for the coming of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You need to look for this day in which judgment will come, in which destruction will come, in which Jesus will come and he will set up his kingdom where he will reign on the throne again, where Satan will be cast down and bound and Jesus will be reigning on high. Mm-hmm. We need to look for that day. That word looking in the Greek means to earnestly desire and have that day come. Right. Now, Oh, wait, 
let's just look for it. No, there's more. Mm -hmm. We need to also hasten the day. Now, we could have a podcast. (laughs) We could have a series of podcasts. Hastening the day, but Mm -hmm. I'll give it to you quickly, just an idea here, and then leave you to think about it. But the word hastening in the Greek is the word spudo, and it means to accelerate or speed up the day. I would suggest if you have time to go and look at that word hastening through the New Testament. And what you will see is every time that Greek word is used in the New Testament, it is pointing for someone to move from one place to another very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so if Peter is telling us to look for the coming of the Lord, but also hasten it, I want to suggest to you today before we close in prayer (laughs) and drop this bomb on you that we as individuals, by the lifestyle that we live, mm-hmm. being, the holy conduct and godliness, being hearers and doers of the word can speed that day mm. up. And if we can speed that day up, we have to understand that we need to be patient about his coming because it's not going to be in our time. Yeah. That when he does come, he will judge those who oppress. He will judge the unbelievers, but he will also reward the believers with the inheritance that's been promised from the moment we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We will obtain that inheritance that Peter had talked about. And so we don't only have to be patient, we also have to eagerly look for the return, and then we have to speed it up by the conduct and our holy living that we have. I firmly believe that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God continues to look at the heart. Mm -hmm. And Peter tells us that he's patient and that he wishes all to come to repentance and for none to perish. Mm -hmm. But if God is looking at our heart, if he is constantly searching out our heart, he will look to us. He will see our hearts and how we're living. We're furthering the gospel. The gospel is going out. God's elect are being chosen, Mm -hmm. and he will return. We have a part to play in the coming of the kingdom of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I leave you with that because this is what you should do. You should be patient about his coming. If you're under oppression, God will take care of it. Mm -hmm. But are you looking for the coming of the Lord? Right. Are you focusing on the oppression, or are you focusing on the one who will free you from it? Are you a hearer and doer of the word? Mm -hmm. Are you furthering the kingdom so that the Lord will come quickly and will be gathered with him? Why don't you close us in prayer? Gracious Almighty God, we are so grateful for the truth that we continue to find in your word as we study. Uh, We are so thankful that you are faithful to reveal yourself to us and that you have given us this word. I pray for those who are listening to this podcast, if they feel as though they are in a time of oppression, I pray that you will grant them the wisdom in and how to live through it and how to endure it. And I pray that we can be patient until you're coming, that we can know what we are in store for when your son returns. I pray that our hearts will be strengthened and not fattened. I pray that our lives will be that of holy conduct and godliness, and that when you look at us, you see people who are not just listening and hearing to the word that you have given us, but are living it out, but are doing it. Gracious God, I pray that as we continue to be convicted by the words of James, 
that we will not be downtrodden, that we will not be discouraged, but we will see it as opportunity for us to check our hearts and to look into our own lives and see the places in which you would have us grow. We pray that you will go with us. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.